0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. So happy to have you with us. Today's gonna to be a special day for us. We are going to talk to the very esteemed, the very famous, the very beloved Joanne Worley. In her capacity as president of Actors and Others for Animals, we want to take our pets on our trips. Road trip with your best friends, your animal friends, of course you want to do that, and you want to do it in the right way, the smart way. Before we get to that, we want to say hello to Thomas Arthur Rapp. He is co-founder of American Road. Thomas, glad to have you with us.
1: Uh, It's always good to be here, Gary.
0: I found out we were going to have a celebrity guest. Once again, it was time to call Thomas and bring you in, the big gun. So we're delighted to have you with us. I know you have your questions and your reminiscences ready. We also want to say a quick hello to our producer, Eric Ryder, always doing a great job for us preparing the show, and he's operating the board as well. Here we are ready to talk to Joanne Worley, who needs no introduction, but she's going to get one anyway. And we'll do all that and commence our conversation. Joanne Worley, you and your road-tripping pets, that's coming up right after this. The first stop on any Utah road trip, utah.com. utah.com has itineraries for every corner of the state. Discover where you can drive under a vibrant vermilion arch. Find a turquoise lake and the best raspberry shakes around. Or marvel at Aspen's aglow in autumn. Wherever you go, the drive is as awesome as the destination. So throw your bag in the boot of your Beetle or pack the snacks in your mini Winnie and hit the road with tips from the crew at utah.com. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back everyone. Joanne Worley's instinctive comedic timing and irrepressible laugh has made her a favorite of audiences everywhere. Her work runs the gamut from television, movie, and stage productions to game shows, talk shows, commercials, cartoons, and opera. Most currently, Joanne starred with a celebrated cast in the New York City Center's Encores, production of Stephen Sondheim's Legendary Follies. She had a successful Broadway run in the Drowsy Chaperone and the Los Angeles production of Wicked. She also has guest starred on Bones, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Jesse, and The Middle. And here she is in the middle of a conversation with us about to be, Joanne Worley. We're so happy to have you with us. Well, thank you.
2: <laughs> My there we go. Whoa, you so. are primed. You are ready to go. Yes. Yes, I'm ready. The only thing you left out was the Academy Award-winning movie that, uh, that I did for Disney, where I played the wardrobe.
0: Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, that's right. there There's no end to you and your productivity. You actually <laughs> are an inspiration to so many people who either are in show business or who aspire to such a career. And I have to tell you, Joanne, and I know we're going to get into proper care of animals, our wonderful animal companions, our pets, in just a moment. Okay. But I remember being in—oh, gosh—it must have been eighth grade, about to go into ninth grade, when I caught the laugh-in bug, and what an extraordinary phenomenon that was! I never missed a show. I even got the magazine that they published about. It was a laugh-in magazine. Oh yeah. I had all the uh-huh. gear. And there you were every week making America laugh out loud.
2: Well, uh, you must know that um, one of the secrets of that show was that all the people on the show were having so much fun. We were enjoying it just as much as the people watching it. And uh, we we were each other's audience because, you know, it filmed all day and all night sometimes. And uh, so a studio audience would not have to sit there, but people would come in from time to time and tours and things like that. So we would have an audience, but mainly we were each other's audience uh, for other cast members when they'd be trying something out. And, you know, so you could get your timing from laughter, from laughs.
0: Oh, sure. And the show always put out such a great vibe. I'm going back to 60s talk now. A great vibe, and it was always such a pleasure. There was even a long play record that I bought, so when I wasn't watching, I could listen on my record player in my bedroom. Exactly, so, yes, I was exactly. a fan.
2: Uh, we it, also have,
0: yes, you were going to say. It,
2: it came on the air, uh, you said you were in the 10th grade?
0: I was going, I was just going to start high school.
2: Uh, yeah, what, what year was that? That would have been 1968. That, that was when we uh, did what was called a special, but it was actually a pilot. And then we uh, came in mid-season of 69. Uh,
0: and came in with a bang. Yes. I mean, I don't think anybody was quite ready for what they were going to witness on television. Wall-to-wall comedy, even going to the NBC tone to the sound of applause when the show was over. That was different. Yes,
2: and that, uh, that applause happened to be Carolyn Raskin. She was a production uh, assistant, and she was in the editing room when it was done, and she just applauded and they said that
0: sounds good let's put it in so i that, love that that. that is a, great thomas arthur Rep is with us on another he's skyped in with us he's the big cheese at american <laughs> road magazine thomas this is joanne worley and she is here with us in order to uh she's very kindly reminiscing about laughing but of yeah. course we want to talk to her principally about the fantastic work she does as it is, I call it humanitarian work, but the animal kingdom gets the most out of her efforts at Actors and Others for Animals. And I'm happy that you encouraged me to set up this interview, Thomas.
1: Yes, I I wanted to mention, um, Joanne was talking about that uh, very memorable role of the wardrobe and I I wanna let her know, I just saw that the other day because I happen to have a four-year-old in the house and our four-year-old's favorite film is Beauty and the Beast. So I, just, I had to get that in before we started because it just, it's such an iconic role for you, and you're just so perfect. Your voice is so perfect for that part. So I didn't know if we, anybody actually said Beauty and the Beast on air, but that's, that's the wardrobe film, and it's absolutely wonderful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And um, I must tell you, if you notice the m- wardrobe, because they film you while you're, you're doing the lines, and the mm. animators try to, you know, pick up some of the traits of the person whose voice it is. And if you'll notice, the wardrobe has very long eyelashes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would always wear my eyelashes.
0: <laughs> doing so much. their big screen, small screen, on the stage, doing talk shows, game shows, of course. You're famous in so many avenues of popular entertainment. Joanne, it amazes me, as it does a lot of people, that... You had the experience. It seemed like one night you pulled up some carpet at a meeting where there was a group either underway underway, or about to be underway for mm-hmm. actors and others for animals. And attending that one meeting, as I understand it, man, you were hooked.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I had the good, my good friend, Jackie Joseph, who, and she was uh, on the board, one of the founding members and Doris Day was involved at that time and a, a lot of other uh, actors. And uh, I just saw that their work is good. What are, their mission is really a spay and neuter because that's, that's at the crux of uh, animals not having good homes. You know, they're, they, yes. they spay and neuter. So we help people with that, and they can go to actorsandothers.com if they're interested. And also we help with veterinarian bills, which you probably know our it's though you're going to the hospital with the person, it's when you take your you know, dog to the vet, the bills are enormous. So we help with that. That's kind of um, our our mission.
0: And always open to donations from those who are generous on behalf of their animals and others who understand what it means. And there's a point to be made in a second, but I did want to repeat. It's actorsandothers.com. I encourage everyone to go there and see what this wonderful organization is all about. Joanne, I wanted to mention to you, I found out something because I know that the organization owes a great debt, of course, to Jackie Joseph, whom you mentioned. Uh-huh. Also, the wonderful Earl Holloman. Oh, and those I just two talked to cheers... Earl the other day. Uh, Earl passed away? No, no, no. I just talked to him the other day. Oh. <laughs> My heart skipped a beat. Okay, because I was looking him up. I looked up on Wikipedia, believe it or not, Jackie Joseph and Earl Holloman. Glad they're both still with us, thank goodness. Oh, yes. What I found out is that they have something... Something profound in common, and I think it speaks to their compassion. Both Jackie Joseph and Earl Holloman were born when their fathers had already, their biological fathers had passed away months before their birth. I was very surprised to learn that, but what it told me is that when you have a void in your life, When you're born into a situation that people would not expect to be in, and they come to realize, wow, I don't have my biological father, it leaves a void. I also think it creates an opportunity for compassion that can be uniquely filled by giving love to animal companions, and that's lasted the two of them for a lifetime.
2: Well, that's that's a very interesting tidbit. I knew that about Jackie's father, but I didn't know that about Earl's.
0: Uh, yes, as I recall, Earl's biological father passed away seven months before he was born. Oh, dear. And then he was adopted out. All of the kids were in that family. And I thought, you know what, that would put me on a search, a search to receive compassion. But then it seems almost inevitably we would look for opportunities. These to express it to because because to be without in that fundamental way would open your heart to sharing love with animals and God knows there are animals in this world of plenty who need the love of human companions
2: and especially now when we're pretty much in lockdown our animals are our main well, my animal and I I have a, another rescue and who goes everywhere with me so we can talk about traveling with our our pets because. Uh, my audition for the my new animal, I say new, I've had him about a year now, was to get into the uh, cloth purse that I carry him in on my shoulder. And it's, it's made out of uh, material so that it can breathe as opposed to plastic or leather or something like that. And he's just uh, such a good boy. He goes everywhere with me.
0: And that's your Yorkie or, or a new animal?
2: I, the new animal, it, uh, I love him so much. Cupid is his name. My Yorkie was Harmony, God lover. And now I have Cupid. That was his given name. And when I, I saw him on Channel 7, he was the pet of the week. And I said, that's my dog. I knew it. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and I took his bag great. and he got in the bag and on my shoulder and off we went. And And that takes us
0: to perhaps the main topic of this broadcast, which is people loving their pets and wanting to be on the road with them safely and keeping everything from diet and exercise to veterinary care. If, uh, God forbid, that became necessary, you'd want to know what to do or even something as relatively mundane, Joanne, as finding places. And I think you're an expert on this finding places where you can stay, where your pets will be welcome because, let's face it, not everybody who owns a hotel wants pets around, unfortunately.
2: Well, I wouldn't go to that hotel if they did not accept my pet. I wouldn't be there. No, (laughs) I
0: I don't blame you at all. Uh, I can tell you stories about my own travels, especially when I moved from Los Angeles to Seattle Uh there and was heading up there, up uh, that whole California coast and then the I-5, and it seemed like it was. We had a devil of a time, me and my partner at the time, finding a place each night where they would take pets. And more than once, we snuck the pets up the back stairs while I was distracting the clerk at the oh, desk. Oh yeah, I make say. a
2: distraction. <laughs> well, uh, I have had uh, you know little dogs, so it's easy to sneak them in. Oh, how, yes, how that's big right. were as your we dogs? Did. We
0: had two Yorkies, as a matter of fact, and a cat. It oh, and the a adventure. cat.
2: Oh boy, you had your hands full. I heard this, and I, I uh, haven't had a cat, except when I was growing up. Uh, and I hear that when you travel with a cat or you change residence, you take a little bit of olive oil and just put a dot of it on, it, on the cat's nose. And somehow that doesn't make the cat try and get back to its um, old home.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I had never heard that before. That's some pretty good advice. I've always heard that cats don't travel particularly well. Doggies, of course, always want to be with you, but cats are, are much more territorial in that way. Thomas, you, you make a living, and a very nice one, telling people how to travel to best effect, to make every bit of travel an adventure whenever possible. Do you travel with animals, you and Becky, or do you have people ask you, how do I handle this situation? i got two dogs and a cat, and we're not in an RV, so what do I do? Well, honestly,
1: I'm a wiener dog guy.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> so with Alan too? I'm
1: a Long-time wiener, wiener dog. dog owner, and I've <laughs> been everywhere with uh, Becky, and I've traveled uh, cross-country numerous times with uh, anywhere from two to four wiener dogs in in tow. Oh, um, wow. I highly recommend it. It's it's great to have them <laughs> along. If they're smaller, I think that you have an easier time. <laughs> um, Joanne mentioned that you know hotels. Hotels now motels are, I think, much more accommodating, especially in the last 10 years, uh-huh. of um, people bringing pets. But we never really had a problem with that. We would make sure that, you know we stopped about every hour or so and, and got out and let those little pups you know walk around on a leash uh-huh. at, at a rest stop. Um, you know, we would try to make sure that they got that exercise. We had little crates. We would take them uh, in. we would crate them to go in and out of the hotel. And sometimes we'd actually have to put a little blanket over the crate going in or out so they wouldn't panic when they saw all of these people because our wiener dogs were a little bit high strung. But once you got them into the hotel, you let them out of the crate, they were fine. It would be like they were at home. They were with you. And I think that's an important part of it, um, you know, how comfortable they are um, with their caretaker. Um, So, I mean, we just we've had so many wonderful times traveling cross-country with wiener dogs. Uh, Like I say, I'm a wiener dog guy. (laughs)
2: they had the president is that why your name is Thomas and not Tom no my name, <laughs> I, no no my name's Thomas because I was
1: I was here, true story uh, uh, quick uh, side note um, my name is Thomas because I was named after my father and when I was very young my parents sat me down and said you can be Tommy or you can be Thomas but you can't be Tom because that's your dad <laughs>
2: so,
1: so okay. that's how I ended up with Thomas that's a true story
2: oh that's great <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joanne when we when you plan to go and please share with us a little bit about mm-hmm. your own travel planning this is going to be helpful to a lot of people who really want their pets with them do you do you look for places that offer something of a concierge service rather than simply a kennel or okay they can be in the room uh
2: I would uh, as I said I would research the hotel it's easier now with Google and everything you can find out so much information and you would just if they're pet friendly. Uh, I don't need a concierge uh, because I'm the one. I don't want anyone else walking my dog. Right. No. Yeah. No. 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 I get to do that, and uh, and uh, I take their dishes, you know, their their food and water dishes with them, and a a blankie or their. If I because I have such a little dog, I can take their little dog bed. Yep. And yep. I always find it. Uh, that I have to, because I have a little dog, maybe you did this with your wiener dog, Thomas, you have to have a footstool because my my doggies sleep on my bed. and Even with the dog bed on the bed and the dog is in it, but they have to jump up pretty high sometimes. And I find that hotel beds are getting higher and higher as they make it easier for the people to get in and out of bed. So I always have to look for a footstool situation in the room and sometimes I would have to call down and ask if there was uh, something to put at the foot of the bed, you know, to kind of break up the jump for the, the dog. Yeah. Sometimes you can take the chair that is at the desk and turn it sideways, and uh, you know, so that the dog doesn't have to jump that high.
1: With we me. actually got a, a puppy ramp that we would use, oh, good. and we uh-huh. would take it and we would let them, you know, access the bed via ramp. Yes. Uh, on those times that we forgot the ramp at home um they were trained well they wiener dogs are you know they're pretty short-legged oh yeah and they they would know not to jump off of the bed unless we lifted them off so if we didn't have the ramp with us we would just lift them onto the bed and lift them off but yeah they always slept in the bed i mean that's what a little dog's for right (laughs) oh
2: absolutely and you have to be careful not to roll over on them
0: (laughs) well that's that's absolutely true um
2: yeah, I, I had a ramp situation uh, that I used for a, a doggy, and uh, I found that actually I had it made. Um, did you buy yours or did you make it, Thomas?
1: We bought ours.
2: Yeah. Well, now people are, are doing it, and I find the Sherpa bag when I have when we did airplanes, and uh, you know you have to check with the airlines because uh, they have different rules for your in cabin doggies. Uh, and uh, I travel on airplanes with a Sherpa bag that fits underneath the seat in front of me, so I always have. my I, I would never uh, ship my dog uh, in luggage compartment. No. no.
0: I can imagine that would be a big problem with stress, particularly for getting on an airplane, and particularly today. Oh, it yes. would It would require some strategy to handle this situation well.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. And your best friend again. There is the uh, Google feature. For each each airline has kind of different uh, rules and regulations. And uh, yes, yes, obviously, they do. I'm sure your uh, your pet is up to date on its shots and everything, because that that will be the first thing that they uh, want to see and know.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. and, and uh,
2: uh, I found uh, that if you. Make sure that the the doggy has a uh, bathroom break just before you board the plane.
0: Ah, yeah. yes.
2: And uh, a little a little thing to put the water in, but uh, the Sherpa bag it has a little give to it, and it's got to be big enough so that the pet can stand up and turn around in it. It can't be you know squeezed into a, a smaller bag than the doggy is.
0: Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and one last point I think that is salient here when uh-huh. you're going to be traveling for any length of time, whether there are preconditions or not, Joanne, do you look on Google, or perhaps you know people in various towns where you're headed, whether you're flying or driving, do you keep a list of veterinarians where you know the best care is available?
2: I would, what I would do would be I would call back to the actors and others for Animals office and I would say, I'm in Seattle. What's the best vet, you know, in this area? That's what I would do.
0: And there's some very good vets in Seattle. I lived there for almost 22 years and knew my share of them, as a matter of fact, being a pet owner. And that's a great place if you need a vet, no matter which part of town you're in. That is for sure.
2: I'll call you, Ben. I'm sorry? I'll call you.
0: Yes, well, that's right. Yeah, the go to guy when Joanne Worley needs a good vet (laughs) reference. I'm happy to provide it. Thank you for your faith in me.
2: (laughs) That's wonderful. Oh, one we have other just tip uh, that that I'm sure you already know is uh, don't forget to pack a flashlight for when you have to uh, walk your doggy at night, and yes. you're in an area that you know you don't know that well. You don't know what the lights are, and so that you can uh, see your way around and see that there's not anything there to uh, uh, that your dog can get into. And the other thing is check the hotel or motel room for uh, roach bait. They sometimes put them underneath a bed or something where you wouldn't see it, but the doggie might find it.
0: Yes, in fact, they're quite inquisitive, so that could be the case. Same would apply to, to cats, of course. Well, all of this is wonderful advice, and we so much enjoy getting to know you a little bit, Joanne. You've had such a stellar career, such a long career, and so varied. It's wonderful. I would be remiss if I did not turn it over to Thomas at this moment because there is one particular skit from one particular episode of laugh that just sent him rollicking, and he's <laughs> thought of it all these decades. He's never forgotten it. Would you like to address that with Joanne Worley, Thomas?
1: Oh, I was just, he, he's talking about, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Gary and I. Um, laugh did a, a tribute once to the family car, and they did a, a, a large musical skit. Uh, it was me and my family car. They actually gave you the line, "We have a horn with the loudest auga," <laughs> uh, and it, it's it, it's really funny. But there's a skit afterwards, and I always I always think about it whenever I have car trouble, mm-hmm. because it's you, Goldie Hawn, and I think Ruth Buzzy driving yes. along in a car, uh-huh. and something happens to the car, and you're stranded, and someone says, "Hmm, there must be something wrong with the car potato." and someone else says no it's the generation and then the third person chimes in and says no it has to be the sicklanders the sicklanders so my question to you is um with all your travels are you a a car person or or um are you more of a car potato person because i'm more of a car potato person even though i travel a lot i don't know a lot of the mechanics and i just wanted to ask you that question
2: well i i happen to have a very excellent mechanic uh, so I, you know, turned the, all those things over to uh, to him. But uh, when I was in high school, I bought my first car because I worked at a truck stop um, on Highway 41 and Route 2, and I uh, was able to buy my own car. And I and the the truck stop was attached to a gas station, so if I needed any help on with my carbonator... <laughs> then they, they
0: could help me. <laughs> and I think we need to uh, pay some homage to the wonderful writing team, because as I read, and I think it was in TV Guide all those years ago, and I've never forgotten it. The writers would say, not necessarily plaintively, but it was just a, a point of fact that they were worked because of the wall-to-wall comedic nature of Laughing. They were worked to exhaustion on a weekly basis.
2: Oh, God, yes. And not only that, but they were put up at a – away from the office and away from the studio, they were put up in a motel in Burbank. And uh, and they would write – some of them would write jokes on the wall. So George Slaughter, the producer, had to have the – you know, that suite repainted. And he said to the writers, please, please don't write on the walls. So they wrote on the ceiling. (laughs) Oh really <laughs> my goodness! i never heard that one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there they were quite a quite a bunch of uh, um, of uh, you, as you must know, funny people. A lot of funny people, and uh, we, the performers, were encouraged to contribute uh, ideas or jokes or whatever. As a matter of fact, on the Laugh In uh, special. I did a, a bit that I had uh, from my nightclub act, which was a, a ventriloquist bit where I'm a, just a terrible ventriloquist. You see my lips move and my mouth and everything. <laughs> and I smoke a cigarette and drink the water and stop singing, you know. But uh, so everybody was con- uh, encouraged to contribute also.
0: Because and I just it wasn't, have to ask you, you this know, because I lost had track for Judy Karn. Judy Carn uh-huh. was wet about half the time, it seems to me, doing those shows. How many times did you get hit with the bucket of water?
2: Uh, I didn't mind the bucket of water as much as I minded going through the trap door.
0: Ah, okay. Scary. Have
2: you ever gone through a trap door? Uh, no, I have not. Ah! You have to be <laughs> careful not to spread your arms out or your arms will break off. You have to make sure that your arms go up Um I remember I was uh, singing something at the grand piano which I do and by the way Billy Barnes always wrote all those special tributes to the car and you know whatever the uh, special material music was Billy Barnes did that and he would always accompany me when I would stand by the grand piano and sing and then add I was I forget what I was singing and at one point Artie Johnson comes in dressed like a fireman you know, with a big fire hose, it wasn't a bucket of water. It was a fire hose full of water. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, that was that was. You brought drenching. so much joy
0: to so many people and to so many animals as well, Joanne Worley. We honor you, and we're delighted that you joined us today. I hope our paths will cross again.
2: I do, too, my dear. And take care of your carbonator.
0: <laughs> well said. We'll do. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into American Road Trip Talk everyone. Along with Thomas, Arthur, and Becky Rapp, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website americanroadmagazine.com to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.